Well, on a wedding day, if you know the couple well, sitting waiting for the bride to come can be a tantalising time, can't it? Uh, You know what they're about to embark on. Uh, You know how significant the promises they're about to make, the hope of such an occasion, and you're just waiting for it all to happen right in front of you. There's There's an air of expectation. But weddings aren't the only times that are filled with a a waiting of excitement, are they? Uh, There's an air of expectation when you're waiting for your team to come out on grand final day uh, or whether you're waiting for the curtains to part and the show to begin, waiting for that special someone to arrive or for your call to say that you can now board your overseas plane. There's plenty of occasions, aren't there, when there's there's almost a, a heavy air of expectancy. Well, that's what we have in Luke's Gospel from chapter 9, verse 51 on, because from here on, the King is coming. Hopefully you remember from two weeks ago that Jesus has resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The time has come for him to finish his work. And so as the King, as the Christ, he makes a beeline for Jerusalem. The kingdom of God is about to arrive because the king is coming. And so there's now this air of expectancy in Luke's gospel. And it's into this air of expectancy that in chapter 11, we hear Jesus teach his disciples to pray. And since he's on his way to bring in God's kingdom, he teaches them to pray that God will bring his kingdom in. So it's exactly like uh, Anton was helping the children with before. Um, If a child's promised that when they come home, they'll be allowed to have an ice cream, when they come home from school, what's the first thing they're going to say? Mum, can I please have an ice cream now? The time has come for the ice cream. So they ask for the ice cream. Well, in Luke 11, we know that the time has come for the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, ask for the kingdom of God. It's what the whole prayer is about. Have a look. We'll start at chapter 11 and verse 1. One day... Uh, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, have you ever heard someone pray and wished that you could pray like them? Well, the disciples saw and heard Jesus pray, and they wanted to pray like him. And what we're about to read is Jesus telling us how to pray like he did. And put simply, Jesus says, when you pray, ask God to do what he said he would do. The five short requests that are known as the Lord's Prayer, they each come straight from the promises of God in the Old Testament. God said that one day he would bring his kingdom in. So Jesus says, just ask God to keep his word. The disciples were to pray for the coming of the kingdom of God because Jesus was on his way to bring it in. Well, he went to Jerusalem and he brought it in. And so you might think, well, we don't need to pray like this anymore, but Christ is coming back, isn't he? And he's coming back to finally and fully bring the kingdom in. And so we still pray for these sorts of things. So let's have a look at each request in turn and we'll think about how each of the requests spins directly out of the promises of God in the Old Testament. So we'll start in verse 2. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, please just notice that it's not our Father who does art in heaven, Harold be your name. 
as some children get confused with. Uh, in Luke, it's just, Father, hallowed be your name. There's the first request. Now, we don't tend to use the word hallowed anymore. Uh, closest we get is Halloween. The word hallowed simply means to be honoured as holy. So to pray for our Father's name to be hallowed, we're simply asking for his name to be honoured as holy, for him to be revered as holy. Now, why would we need to ask for God's name to be honoured as holy? Because isn't he always seen to be holy? Well, no. Back in the Old Testament, God complains several times about how his people, the Israelites, were not honouring his name as holy. Instead, they were dragging his name through the mud. By their evil lives, they made being the people of Yahweh look ridiculous. And when God had to come against his people in judgment and send the nations to defeat them and destroy them, that made Yahweh himself appear to be weak because it looked as if he couldn't protect his people. And so Yahweh's name became a source of mockery among the nations. But God promised in places like Ezekiel 36 that there was coming a day when he would restore the honour of his name. And so he promised that for the sake of his name, despite the sin of the people, he would save them. He would bring them back so that his name would be honoured among the nations. So pray yourself for your salvation. Pray for other people to be saved by the Father, so that in your life and in theirs, the Father's name would be honoured. And this will happen when his kingdom comes, when he brings his rule. Verse 2 again. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. When the Father hallows his name, he will be saving his people from their enemies. And it will be so that they can again be under his rule instead of under another king's rule. They will be ruled over instead by God's king. They will be in God's kingdom. In so many places in the Old Testament, like Ezekiel 37, God promises that he will one day raise up one from the line of King David, and this one will rule over his people once more, and they will again be free from the threat of their enemies. So when you pray, ask for the rule of the Lord Jesus to be extended, that in your life you would submit to him and pray for others, that they would acknowledge Christ as king and ask God for the day when Jesus will return and every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. And when the Father's rule arrives, it will come with abundant blessing. The Father is good and so with his rule comes his goodness. It's a little bit like having loving parents or a really great teacher because sure you come under their authority but it's great. It's truly great to have them in charge. Well, the Father's rule, it is filled with his goodness. And one of the good things that God promised would come when his kingdom arrived was the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus says, when you pray for God's kingdom to come, ask for his forgiveness. Verse 4, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. 
Now, the background for this is, again, places like Ezekiel chapter 36. Uh, Remember, God's name has been trashed by the sinfulness of his people, but God was going to restore his honour, so he promised that one day he would forgive his people for their sin so that he could once more take them as his own and restore his honour as the God of his people. In Ezekiel 36, we read these words. They'll come up on the screen for you. God says to his people, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. You see, the coming of his kingdom, God will cleanse his people. So when you pray, ask God for his forgiveness and he will cleanse you. But God didn't just promise that he'd cleanse his people from their sin. The Father also said that he would keep his people from sin. So in the very next verse of Ezekiel 36, again, it'll come up on the screen for you. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God promises that when his kingdom comes, he'll forgive his people of their sin and he'll keep his people from sin, giving them his spirit to move them to obey him. And so straight after teaching his disciples to pray for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus concludes the prayer with verse 4, and lead us not into temptation. Father, please lead us away from evil. Lead us towards you and your goodness. So when you pray... Ask God for the spirit of God that you'd be moved to obey him. These prayers are big prayers, aren't they? It's asking God for the honour of his name among the nations, for the rule of God over all the earth, for the forgiveness of sins and for the pouring out of his spirit. And it's in amongst all these glorious requests, asking for such imposing and impressive things that verse 3 just feels a little out of place. You probably noticed I skipped over it. But compared to what we've seen, give us each day our daily bread. Seems almost trivial. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Asking God for breakfast, that's not a wrong thing to do. But compared to the honour and the rule and the forgiveness and the spirit of God, bread's just a little small fry. So why is it there? Well, unfortunately, our translations don't help us at all here. Uh, What Jesus literally said comes across a bit clunky to how we normally speak, and so the translations try and smooth it over, but in the process we lose the impact of what Jesus is teaching. Literally, verse 3 reads more like, Our next day's bread give to us today, or give us our bread that belongs to tomorrow, or more simply, give us today tomorrow's bread now that sounds like jesus is encouraging us to be greedy we want tomorrow's bread now today what's he mean well it is exactly like the rest of the prayer god said in the old testament that there was coming a time in the future when he'd bring his kingdom in so jesus says pray that god will bring his kingdom in now well god said that in the future he'd give his people bread so jesus says pray for that bread now 
Again, it's in Ezekiel chapter 36. God said that when he would bring his kingdom in, his people would be restored to the land, and God said that he would make the grain plentiful. And he'd increase the fruit of the land and the crops of the field. At the coming of the kingdom of God, it would be the time of the abundant blessing of God, the bread of that day coming, the bread of tomorrow, the bread of the kingdom of God was the time of the overflowing blessing of God. And so Jesus says, ask for tomorrow's bread today. In other words, when you, when you pray, Ask the Father to pour out his blessings upon you. Ask the Father to redeem and save and forgive and adopt you. Asking for tomorrow's bread, that is a huge thing to ask. When my kids ask me for a drink, it's a no-brainer. I give it to them. When my kids ask me for a biscuit, no worries. But for some reason, none of my kids have ever asked me to buy them a house that they could have down the track. Because that's a big ask. And look, I love them dearly, but that's just asking too much. I can't do it. But this prayer Jesus taught, it's asking for more than a house. It's asking for the very kingdom of the Father. Now, now is that just asking too much? It seems that the disciples might have thought so. And it's understandable, really. Given that literally for centuries, Israel has been squashed under foreign rule, but Jesus knew that the time had arrived for the kingdom of God, and so he immediately tells his disciples a story to assure them that to pray for these things, pray for them now with confidence. After teaching his disciples to ask the Father for tomorrow's bread, Jesus tells a story about a man who asks a grumpy friend for tomorrow's bread. Have a look at verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. So in the story, it's midnight. Uh, This person has a friend drop in on them in the middle of the night. So he goes to another friend to ask for some bread since he hasn't got any. So notice that this is exactly like verse three. The person in Jesus' story is asking for tomorrow's bread today because it's midnight he hasn't got any bread and he needs some so he asks another friend can you please give me tomorrow's bread now today now i don't know about you but someone coming onto my door at midnight asking me for bread it's hardly going to put a smile on my dial and it's no different for the person in jesus story verse seven then the one inside answers don't bother me the door's already locked and my children are with me in bed i can't get up and give you anything I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So the friend being asked for bread, he's a bit grumpy, says he can't do it. I'm already in bed. You're waking up my family. And yet he still gets up and gives his friend some bread. Point of the story, even your grumpy friends can give you tomorrow's bread. And if your grumpy friends can, how much more your heavenly father? Verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. The father's not like a grumpy friend. If you ask God for tomorrow's bread, he's not going to grumble and give excuses. Simply ask 
and it'll be given to you. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? A couple of weeks ago, it was my daughter's birthday. Now, I didn't give Beth a pile of mud for her birthday. And I didn't give her a scorpion. Surprise, surprise, I didn't give her a lifetime supply of green ants either. I gave her good gifts. And if even I can get that right, how much more our Heavenly Father? So just ask and he'll give you the Holy Spirit. Just ask, he'll forgive you your sins. Friends, the simple take-home message of these verses is pray confidently, pray boldly for the kingdom of God because now is the time for the kingdom of God. Jesus' disciples, they were being told to pray for God's kingdom because Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to bring it in. Well, he got to Jerusalem. He brought the kingdom in. When he died on that cross, he has now done everything required for our sins to be forgiven. When he was raised from the dead, he went to the right hand of the Father in heaven to rule over all creation. He has since poured out his spirit on his people. If you trust in Christ, the New Testament tells us you have been given every spiritual blessing. The Lord Jesus, he went to Jerusalem and he has brought the kingdom in. But there's coming a day, isn't there, when he's going to come back and he'll fully bring in the completed kingdom of God. And so we still pray for these things, knowing that now is the time. Just ask and it'll be given to you. Seek, you will find. Because there's nothing hidden anymore about the kingdom of God, because with Christ the kingdom has come. So pray now with confidence, with boldness. Ask the Father and you will be included in his kingdom. Depending on who you're speaking to, it changes what you talk about, doesn't it? I mean, if you go to a party and you don't really know anybody, your conversations tend to be quite superficial. Or if there's someone, say, at work who, I don't know, might be a little bit testy, uh, you know, it doesn't take much to set them off. You tend to be quite guarded when speaking with them, like you're walking on eggshells. But when you're with someone that you know very well, a great friend that you can share anything with, you don't have any hesitations, do you? You can just open up, speak freely, ask them anything. Well, Jesus says, when you pray to the Lord God Almighty, the ruler of heaven and earth, when you pray to him, say, Father, Dad, can I be in your kingdom? Can you honour your name in my life? Can I have every spiritual blessing? Can I be forgiven? Can I have your Holy Spirit? And Jesus says, ask and it'll be given to you. But friends, we don't want to just pray these things for ourselves, do we? When you're praying for your family, when you're praying for your church family, when you're praying for people on the other side of the world, pray that God would bring people into his kingdom. Appeal to God that for the sake of his honour, he would save people. He'd forgive people. Ask your father to pour out his spirit on the whole nations so that millions of people would call on Christ 
as their Lord and Saviour. When you pray, speak to the very heart and plans of your Father in heaven because now is the time of his kingdom and our God, he's not a Scrooge, he's not a Stinge, he's the Father and he loves to give good gifts, the gifts of his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for the sake of your name, that among the nations you would be regarded as holy, Father, we pray that your kingdom would come. We pray that you would pour out your spirit on whole nations and that men and women and boys and girls would be brought so wonderfully under the rule of your Son, the Lord Jesus. They would enjoy the forgiveness of sins that comes only in his name. Father, please do these great things We know that now is the time of your kingdom. So, Father, we pray your kingdom would come. And, Father, for us as your people here this morning, we pray that by your spirit you would lead us not into temptation. But, Father, we would be moved in our very hearts to live in glad, humble obedience to you, our Heavenly Father. And we pray that the day when your Son returns would come soon. We pray that his kingdom would come in full. For the sake of his name and, Father, for your glory, we ask all these things. Amen.